All right, let's get the other elephant out of the room. I'm going to prove to you that baseball is God's favorite sport. Genesis 1-1, in the big inning, God created the heavens and the earth. There you go. Amen. Let's go home. Let's go to communion. (laughs) Uh, We are uh, trekking through this new thing that we started last week called His Story. And we've been challenged to read the Bible together through the the Bible Project's uh, year-long reading plan uh, that, that they put together. And I was really enjoying it this week. I mean, I've read Genesis a lot in my life, but as you're reading through it, you realize there's some weird stuff in this book. Like, and it's okay to be honest that there is some weird stuff because you're reading an ancient book, ancient worldviews, uh, just a, a different time, a different place that we're in. We're tourists when we're, when we're reading through the, this, this book. And and the Bible needs to be seen as a journey to find Jesus. That's really what it is. It's a journey to find Jesus. So if you weren't with us or you didn't get started or whatever, you can go to the Novation app, click on the tile that says His Story, and you can begin to read. It doesn't matter that we're all together perfectly because some of you are going to get behind. That's just a given. I get that. And if you do maybe fast forward a little bit or just keep reading where you're at. That the goal is not checking the box every day that you did your reading. It's that we grow. And it's this discipleship opportunity. After church last week, we had a really cool a little discussion about approaching the Bible and jumping into this journey. So I hope you're, you're enjoying that. We're going to have a few times uh, midweek, midrash. Midrash is the Jewish word for coming together as a community and studying scripture. And so questions are going to come up. I was writing questions like, what in the world does this mean in Genesis? And so we're going to talk about it together. The first one will be Thursday night, May 12th at at 630. And uh, we'll do some other Sunday afternoons as well. So what we've done is we've broke, broken it up into different series. And the series that we're going to do over the next several weeks is called Longing for Eden. When you look at the first few chapters of the Bible, in Genesis, you see this once called Eden that was perfect. And Adam and Eve blew it, and we're going to talk about that next week, and they got kicked out of the garden. And the theme of longing for Eden has been, it's throughout Genesis, and it's ultimately throughout the Bible, and it's what Jesus came to bring for us, bring that back to us. Ultimately, Eden is, we see the new heavens and the new earth. We're longing for that. So let me ask you a couple questions that are so important to life and how you see life is the first one is, are you, are we a product of some random chance some cosmic accident that happened gazillion billion years ago? Are we a byproduct of that? Or were you and I planned and created with a purpose? Those are two different worldviews, two different approaches to understanding what life's about. A worldview is a set of lenses in which you interpret life. That's what a worldview does. Everybody has a worldview. They don't 
they're not all the same, but every worldview is trying to answer five basic questions. And the first question is, where are we? <laughs> We're on this place called Earth in the middle of this vast universe. Where really are we? A worldview is asking the question, who am I? Like, why, why am I here? Why do I exist? A worldview is trying to answer the question, what's gone wrong? What's wrong with this world? You don't have to look too far to see the world's a mess, right? A worldview is also trying to answer the question, well, what's the solution to the wrongness of this world? And then, like, what time is it? Like, we say it's the year 2022, but time and space, if you're, if you're in, on Jupiter, their days are longer. I mean, what, what, where are we? Jesus answers all of those questions and gives us a foundation to build our lives on and to have a worldview, his worldview about our own lives. That's why I follow Jesus. All these big questions of life, he's the only one that gives anything solid answer to them, true and, and honest in my opinion. I think when the scriptures are interpreted correctly, they answer all that we see, our world that those questions answered. When it comes to any good book or movie, there's a plot, right? And a plot is a, a storyline that's followed through the book or the movie. For example, uh, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Anybody with me? Cool. Three of us. Um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, if you don't watch the first 10 minutes of Lord of the Rings, you're going to be lost if you go way ahead. And if you don't read the first chapter, you'll, you'll miss the whole point. You'll be talking about hobbits and the shire and orcs and going what in the world is going on here but if you watch the first 10 minutes then you'll understand what the main plot line is i believe the same is true when it comes to the book of genesis genesis 1 through 11 in particularly if you've been reading along you get got the main plot of what god is trying to do in this world today i'm looking at genesis 1 and calling it in the beginning and Genesis 1 is not a science book. It's not a how did God create and all this stuff. It's not trying to be that. Genesis 1 is a poem. It's, it's a song with, with lyrics. It's in the Hebrew and understanding, that's really how the Genesis 1 plays out. And we get so lost in the weeds trying to make it a science book when that's not the intention. There's been a lot of controversy over how God created the world. How did he create the universe? A lot of controversy. Um, evolution, not evolution. Christians in themselves. Is, was it a literal six? Um, with the day-age theory, the gap theory, all these kinds of possibilities. I think we get, we get lost. I think we miss the point when, when we focus on the how he created. Because how he created, whatever that is, we weren't there. <laughs> Number one. Number two, it doesn't change the reality of the historical person of Jesus Christ. Like he, he came into this world and changed everything. And that's so important that we understand that why He created is way more important than how He created. I want you to, to understand that this morning. I get it. It's fun to debate. It's fun to talk about science, all of that kind of stuff. And I think it's important. It has its place. But don't get lost there. Why He created the heavens and the earth and people is more important. Genesis 1.1, in 
the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's interesting about that, that one verse. In English, that's ten words. In the Hebrew, it's seven words. In the Hebrew, the number seven is the number of completion or perfection. So right there, we're seeing a jewel right before us, a treasure when we understand, like, and this wasn't written in English, it's translated, the number of completion. In the beginning, created the heavens and the earth. Let me start with this, though. His story did not begin at Genesis 1-1. God did not begin at, at Genesis 1-1. God has always existed in the, the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, have always existed in this perfect, communal, others-centered relationship. That's the, you know, what is God like? God is a, a, what is God? He's an eternal relationship between the Father and the Son through the Spirit. And so God pre-exists creation. And when you start looking at the totality of Scripture, you see that all three persons of the Trinity were active in creation. We're going to really look at how Jesus was active in creation um, this morning. I'm going to try to give you the the who, the how, and the why of creation um, with our time together, and then we're going to take communion this morning. First of all, Jesus is the creator God. If you're taking notes, Jesus is the creator God. Jesus isn't a created being. Some people who don't embrace the, the Trinity or understand the Trinity go in the wrong direction and make Jesus some sort of created being. No, Jesus has always existed. God's Son has always existed. And that's not understanding that creates a lot of problems for, for a lot of people. So Jesus is the who of creation. He's the who. Who created everything that we see? Jesus. The Apostle Paul understood this um, in his letter to the Colossians where he talks about Jesus. He says, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So Jesus is the creator God. He is the who of creation. The second thing I want to tell you this morning is Jesus is the Word of God. It's so important to understanding creation. He's the Word of God. Being the Word of God is how He created. Jesus, it's the how. Being the Word of God is how He created. In Genesis 1-1, ten times we see the phrase, God said. God said and it came into existence. He spoke His Word, and creation came into being. The big theological Latin term is ex nihilo, out of nothing. God created everything that we see, the universe, as vast as it is, out of nothing. He spoke, and, and, and it came into being. The Hebrew word for created is the word bara. You want to say that with me? Ba-ra. One more time. Ba-ra. <laughs> Sound like sheep. Um, the importance of this word created is it is a verb that's only used about God in this creative power. That's a verb only used about God himself. 
Um, I love the miniseries, The Chosen, and just can't wait for season three to come out. And if you haven't watched it, I highly recommend it. Uh, they basically are going through the gospel of John, little by little, uh, the main storyline. But they also, they take liberty in giving the backstory to Jesus's relationships with his disciples and other people he interacts with. They don't violate scripture ever. They really, really stay true to that. But it gives kind of that um, tangible understanding of Jesus and his relatability to people. Well, in season two, um, they're in Samaria. And the, the Apostle John has just kind of been rebuked by Jesus in the scene that I'm about to show you. And he, uh, he wanted to call fire down from heaven on people who wouldn't show Jesus and his disciples hospitality. And he's like, nah, I don't think you're getting this whole Jesus thing just yet. And they're in the synagogue in Samaria, and they're supposed to pick a Torah portion. The word Torah is the first five books of the Bible, the first five books of Moses. And it was a custom on the Sabbath to read a Torah portion. And uh, watch this interaction between John and Jesus. I think it's powerful. Gershon. Uh, yes, Rabbi. Can you send in my disciple John, please? Of course. of Moses and no more than missing out on so much yes but we have to start somewhere what do you think I should read <sighs> maybe Moses striking the rock instead of speaking to it or Balaam hitting his donkey when he was mad <sighs> Don't torment me. How about when Moses broke the tablets? Jonathan storming away from the dinner table. Samson striking down the men of Ashkelon. Oh, wait. They don't have those scrolls. I get it. I get it. I really am open to suggestions for the reading. I couldn't. After today, after yesterday, I do not feel very much worthy. Who's worthy of anything? You? But no man, apparently. I'm a man, John. And yet... I am who I am. Have you made your selection, Rabbi? Rabbi? Almost. Sorry. Uh, almost. They're getting restless out there. So, do you have a favorite passage from the first five? Um, do you? I don't know. I like them all. <laughs> you don't say. 
I suppose I, I love the beginning. Hmm. I love how God simply spoke and, and the world came into being. Yes. As David wrote, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. You know, the Greeks use word to describe divine reason, what gives the world form and meaning. I like that. <laughs> and it is a favorite memory. A reading from the first scroll of Moses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word. And the earth was void and without form. And the Word was with God. And the darkness covered the face of the deep. And the word was God. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Pretty cool, huh? Get some of the backstory there where, where John, he began to understand who was the creator and who he was with in the person of Jesus, that he was the word of God. It says he, what he read from John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now, he, John mentions this, that the Greek word for word that we translate in English word is the word logos, and it means the divine reason, the divine uh, logic of God. Jesus is the divine logic of God, and through him, he creates the world. Uh, Tim Keller 
he said that there's two types of mythology, modern and ancient, regarding creation. He said modern mythology is that it's all an accident. He said, but ancient mythology was that the world was created out of something that had already existed rather than from out of nothing. But it's important for us to remember there was nothing, boom. The word spoke and it came into being. Jesus is our creator God. He's the word of God. And then Jesus is the joyful and generous God. He's the joyful and generous God. In other words, here's where I'm going to go with this. He's the why of creation. He is the why. He's the how and he's the why. God wanted to share himself and his creation with us. That's why you were created. And when you look around and you study the vastness of the universe and you study, look at mountains and, and animals and the ocean and the beach and all of that, you get in an airplane and you get a 30,000 foot view of, of the world that we live in, it's, it's mind-boggling, right? And it's beautiful, but the creation itself is not created in the image of God. It's His artwork. It's His handiwork. We are the image bearers of God. The only thing He creates that says, bear His image. Genesis 1, 26-31. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, those creepers. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed it shall be food for you and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life I have given every green plant for food the vegan said amen and it was so God saw all that he had made and behold it was very good. It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Wow. On Super Bowl Sunday, uh, we had our home group over to watch the Super Bowl. And the Deebles are part of our home group. And Janelle's a phenomenal cook. Have I ever told you that? Kind of like, have I ever told you I've been to Israel? But different story. She makes the best chicken wings on the planet. And uh, Owen, Kristen and Joel's youngest, was there. And he starts firing down some wings. And he goes, Mom, who, who made these wings? And she said, well, Janelle did. He goes, points to Janelle. He goes, you, you, you got a gift, you. These are good. <laughs> it was classic, man. He did, he did one of these. No, you, you. It was good. We say things are good when they're good, right? Man, that was a great meal. It's a great song. 
that's a good book. That was a good movie. To call something good, it's just, man, that's good. And God looked at his creation and he says, it's very good. Man, we need to get that here because here's my point. That's the plot of this whole story that we're reading. His story is he creates and it's very good. And I get it. If you've been reading already, we're on the third chapter, humans screw it all up, right? And we've been screwing it up ever since. But Jesus, what we have to get to the point of understanding Jesus is his creation is still good. His creation is still good. The real plot is not that everything is bad, but that he is good and his creation is good and he has a plan to make it forever good and we're part of that plan. That's good news right there. Trust the plot. I've been saying that all week. Trust the plot. You look at the chaos of the world and and the badness that's in the world around us. Trust the plot. Trust the one who's authoring this whole story. The author and finisher of our faith. He's got this. He does it when it looks bleak and terrible. We hear all the news. He's still good and he's working his plan. He's working his plan. Never, Never taking a day off. The last thing, Jesus is the creator God. He's the word of God. He's the joyful, generous God who invites us to co-rule with him and steward creation. That invitation is is still there of his good earth. Jesus, the carpenter man. I think it's kind of funny and cliche, but if you're going to be the creator of this world and you're going to come into the world, you should probably be a carpenter, right? <laughs> Have something to do with, with creating and building things because that's, that's who he is. Jesus, the carpenter man, the incarnation. God became human. It's mind-boggling. God came to us. Every other faith and religion in the world is man trying to get to God. Have some kind of ladder. Our God said, you know what? I'm coming to you. I'm going to become one of you. And he lived his life in the same bodies that we have. Subjected himself to the elements, to being hungry, all the things. John understood this in his, the first chapter when he says, And the Word became flesh, that's Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of truth. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He's explained Him. Noah, Abraham, uh, Moses, David, they all talked to God. They never saw God. And their view of who the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was, was still distorted to some degree. Jesus came, it says, to explain what the Father was really like. So if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. If it doesn't line up with Jesus, then it's it's an off view of what God is like. With this understanding of Jesus becoming one of us, He is the culmination of creation. Jesus is the culmination of creation. His life, His death, and his, through His resurrection, His ascension back to the Father, and His promise to come back one day. The culmination of creation. 
He's the new Adam. He, you know, it, Paul calls him the second Adam or the true Adam. He's now, as Adam was the representation of all humanity, the, the name Adam means man or human. Right, Adam? Wherever you are. <laughs> um, where was I? Uh, he is, uh, there you go. It's the second Adam. And <laughs> tripped myself up there. The, the, as the second Adam, he now becomes the representation of humanity. And all who will choose to participate in seeing him as, as Lord and Savior, and they find light, they find life, they find hope, they find peace. In his humanity, Jesus shows us what God is like, but he also shows us what it means to be human in how he lived his life, self-sacrificially, others-centered, self-denial. Like he's the model human. He's, he's the model that we're, that we're following. In Revelation 21, the end of the book, the end of the story, the end of the library, <laughs> says, and he who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. That's powerful. Making all things new. And you're part of that. I'm part of that. Jesus is going to recreate and restore the heavens and the earth. Sometimes we get this funny idea that heaven is, we're floating around in some sort of worshipful trance playing our harps. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We're not turning into angels. Angels are supernatural beings that, that, that God created. Um, we are, you know, na- natural beings. But at, at, the, at the glorification of all things, when the culmination of all things, we're going to get resurrected bodies. And we're going to live on this earth. And we're going to steward God's cr- good creation. Guess what? Without any sin, sorrow, sickness, Hopefully snow won't be here, uh, and grasshoppers, but maybe we'll get along with the grasshoppers, but um, maybe they'll be tamed, man. That's a whole other sermon for me, but um, here, here's what I want you, here's what I want you to, to know, is that through the Holy Spirit, He is restoring you and I. He's recreating us. Yeah, I get those days when I'm a grouchy person, my attitude stinks. I don't feel like I'm growing much, but at least I care. At least you care. That's part of the restoring back into the, the image of Christ and, and living and thinking like him. That's, that's the sanctification process that we're all going. Here's some good news. Your story has always been part of his story. You weren't written in chapters into it. In his mind, you were on his mind before he created the world. Ephesians 1, 3, and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. That's pretty cool. (laughs) You were on the mind of God and in the plan of God before Genesis 1-1 even took place. I write that in my front of my Bible. Go read John 1-1 and go read Ephesians 1, 3, and 4 before I begin the story because there's the backstory to it. You were part of his story. 
You weren't an accident. Even if your parents didn't plan you, you were planned in the mind of God. You're no, no accidents. And He loves you. In the beginning, God, Jesus ordered the chaos. We read in Genesis 1-2 that the earth was void and formless and darkness covered the deep. And then He begins to speak and He starts ordering creation. Well, Jesus came into His creation, His world, to undo the chaos and disorder of humanity that, we've, that we live in. And here's what I want to tell you. He wants to undo the chaos of your life and reorder your heart. It takes cooperation on our part. It takes desire and participation. But He promises to do it. He's such a good God. We're going to take communion And before we come to the elements, I want to challenge you with two things this week. Would you take some time in prayer and just contemplate that truth that God planned you before He created anything? You were on His mind before the heavens and the earth came into being. And the second thing is, would you take time this week to thank Him for all the good things in your life. There are always something good to look at life, even when life is difficult, and say, thank you, God. I mean, we can start with the most basic things that we have food and clothing and shelter and heat and all the things that we need. You know, he's promised, and He gave us everything that we need in Christ. He says He blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. All that is Jesus's, He shares with you and I now. It's yours. It's at your, it's your resource we, just, we don't need to ask Him for more of anything. We have everything we need. We just need to learn how to acknowledge that, thank Him for it, and live in that. And it's a process. I get it. I'm a big process piece of work. But I, I, I'm in. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. He holds the words to eternal life. Where, where do we go? Sometimes people, you, know, you start reading the Bible... And you see these weird things, and I hear people, they lose their faith. Because this is in the Bible. And it's like, what? Listen, look at Jesus. Always remember, start with Jesus and work your way backwards, you know, from there. Because in this day and age we live in, there's so many people who say, I, I'm done. I'm walking away from this Christianity thing. I'm walking away from the church. Hear a, a lot of superstar Christians doing that lately. And I was reading something by Tim Keller, and he was talking about when somebody's in that position where they're, they're going to walk away from their faith, he listens to them, you know, and try to listen to them compassionately, and then will say to them, are you telling me you no longer believe that Jesus Christ really lived and died and rose again? Is that what you're saying? And he said, 99% of the time, somebody's like, thank you. That was very helpful to re focus, recalibrate the starting point is Jesus. He lived, he died, he rose again. And that's what we're celebrating. This morning when we take the cup and we're remembering what he did for us. Lord, as we move into the communion table this morning, I pray that you would fix our hearts on you. Thank you that you're restoring us 
healing us. God, I pray for anyone listening that has never put their faith and hope and trust in you that right now would be that time. That taking communion would be an act of faith and belief. Believing that you lived, you died, and you rose again and that you're coming again for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we take communion as a family here at Novation, so there's two tables. Um, there's some gluten-free options <laughs> up here, but just grab a cup, grab the bread, and go back to your seat. We're going to sing a song, and then we'll take the elements together.
In the lyrics to that song, it says, he was forsaken. Uh, what was the next line? That, I, he, you were forsaken, I'm accepted. It's important that we remember that the Father didn't forsake the Son. We did. Humanity forsake Jesus. We condemned him. Crucify him. Let his blood be on our hands. That's what happened. That's when Jesus Christ, his Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. But in the plan of God... He used that condemnation, that forsaking of us to him to usher in the new covenant. That's mind-boggling. Through his sacrifice, through his laying down of his life and submitting to this thing called death to defeat it. And he did that on our behalf. It's so beautiful when you realize that is the gospel. Jesus Christ defeated Sin by nailing it to the cross. He defeated death by overcoming it. And he defeated the evil one, the darkness. Has no hold on Jesus. And when you're with Jesus, it has no hold on you. Period. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And you have that authority when you walk in Jesus. When you walk in his ways through the Spirit, you're walking in His authority. On the night He was betrayed, He was with His disciples and says that He took bread and He broke it. He lifted it to heaven and He blessed it. And He said, this bread represents my body that's going to be broken for you. He said, eat it in remembrance of me. Let's do that. says in the same way after supper he took a cup of wine and he lifted it to heaven and he blessed it and he said this cup represents my blood that's going to be shed for you this blood that's going to usher in a new covenant the sacrifice of all sacrifices to end sacrifice on our behalf so that we could have life and eternal life let's take it in remembrance That's a new thing here, cup drop. It's, it's finished, boom. <laughs> I kind of like it. <laughs> um, will you just put your hands out in front of you? I want to pray a blessing over you from the Spirit. Father, would you bless your people today with a greater hunger for life in you? a greater understanding of the gospel, a greater understanding of you. Thank you for your patience 
Lord, with all of us. Thank you for your grace that's sufficient, that your mercy is new every day. Help us to put the past in the past and leave the future into your hands and just live present in the moment, enjoying you and your good creation and the new creation that we have because of you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. You are precious to us, Lord Jesus. Bless each each one of us, Lord, today with an awareness of your peace, an awareness of your joy in spite of what's going on in life. Lord, would you bless the relationships and marriages that are in this room and the families? Let, it, let them be centered on you. Thank you for your grace in every circumstance. In Jesus' name, amen.